Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody out here this morning. Just in order to get our lesson started in the direction that I want us to go, I want to ask the question really quickly, who gave us the Bible? We uh, come here uh, several times a week and we talk about the Bible. We talk about things that it has uh, prescribed for us to do in our lives. But who gave us the Bible? We don't spend a lot of time talking about this, but there's three options on where we receive the Bible from. The first option, I'm sure you've heard this before, the Bible came from good men or angels. That's a possibility. But that really fails uh, because they couldn't be good men or angels that provided the Bible to us because the Bible states that it's from God. And that would mean that these good men or good angels would have to have lied. And so that, that doesn't make any sense that the Bible could have come from good men or good angels. The second possibility is that the Bible came from bad men or bad angels. In that case, that doesn't really make sense either because uh, for bad men or bad angels to produce the highest moral code that's ever been delivered to man, that doesn't make any sense for, the, for bad people to produce such a high moral code. And then, by the way, in the Bible, they condemn themselves for lying and being bad. So that doesn't make sense either. And so we come to the conclusion that the Bible must have come from God, and that's what the Bible claims for itself. In 2 Timothy 3, 16, uh, the Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And that's what we believe. We believe the Bible uh, came to us from God, that it is God-breathed. Now, I was having a discussion with Harper on Monday night. Uh, she's memorizing some Bible verses, and she memorized Psalm 19, 105, where it says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. And I was asking her, what is it talking about, your word? What does it mean that it lights your path? And we were just talking through those things. And I was telling her, you know, God gave us the Bible and it tells us how to live, how we ought to live and conduct our lives. And she said, why? And I thought, that's a simple question. God gave us the Bible. And I started thinking about it. That's a pretty complex question. And so that's what we want to talk about this morning. I think it is simple, but it's also complex if you think about it. And we want to just try to answer the question, why did God give us the Bible? Why did he give us the Bible in the first place? And that's what we'll spend uh, a few minutes talking about this morning. So I look forward to studying with you. Uh, please follow along and make sure the things I'm saying are true and right. Uh, and let's study why did God give us the Bible. In the first place, I would suggest to you that God gave us the Bible to reveal himself to mankind. God wanted us to know who he was and what he was all about. In Psalm 19, beginning at verse 1, this is the reading that Gordon did for us. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. So notice in these few verses, uh, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sun, the moon, the stars, the clouds, just the sky in general declares to us the glory of God. The firmament, or the expanse, shows us His handiwork. And notice that part, day unto day utter speech, night unto night reveals knowledge. So every day just pours out information to us about God. Every night reveals uh, some things that we can know about Him, about His creation. We must look at it and understand, well, He must be powerful. He must be uh, uh, have a lot of power at His disposal to be able to create something so wonderful like the world that we live in and the universe that we live in. Uh, if we see a beautiful house... We see a house that's been built, and we say, man, that house is beautiful. That tells us a little bit about the Creator. It tells us they've got some know-how. It tells us they've got a pretty good idea of designing things. If we look at the stars at night, that tells us about God's handiwork. 
those nights make uh, him known to us. And so what I would suggest to you about these verses, though, is even without the Bible, uh, we could know that a maker or makers exist. If we had no Bible, we could look around and we could say, there's got to be some maker out here to make all these things. But without the Bible, we cannot know God's nature. We can't know his character. We can't know his will for us. We know none of those things without the Bible. I want you to focus on that last phrase because we're going to come back to it in just a minute that says their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. So he's talking about the heavens. This pen never wants to work for me. All right. That's not what I wanted to do either. Okay. The heavens is what he's talking about. They declare the glory of God. And he says their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. The general revelation of creation has went out throughout the ends of the world. Hold on to that. We'll come back to that in just a minute. We mentioned a house a minute ago. Hebrews 3 and verse 4 says, For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. Every house, this building that we're in right now, it was built by somebody. But God built all things. But you know, when you look at this building, or you look at your home, uh, and it's nice, but it doesn't tell you a lot about the person that built it. You know, did that guy have a family? What's he like? What's he stand for? What's he against? Uh, you can't know everything about the Creator just by looking at the creation only. God did build all things, but without the Bible, we wouldn't know a lot about Him. And so I want to go to Romans chapter 10. I want to focus on these few verses uh, for, for a couple minutes. Romans 10.13 isn't on the board, but... Uh, Romans 10.13, remember it says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so notice the progression that Paul makes. He says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Notice this last part. Their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. You notice that last part is from Psalm 19. That's Psalm 19 and verse 4. So Paul, in this progression, you've got to call on the Lord to be saved. He says, well, how can they do that unless they believe? And how can they believe unless they have heard? And how can they hear unless somebody comes and tells them about it? And he says... Uh, the sound of those that are preaching has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. Now, I just would ask you, did Paul misuse Scripture here? Did he misquote Psalm 19 in verse 4 uh, when he says uh, their, their sound has gone out to all the earth? Because Psalm 19 in verse 4 is talking about the heavens and how they declare the glory of God. I don't think so at all. What Paul is saying here is the heavens generally declare that there's a God and the gospel declares also to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the world, that there is a God. And so Paul uses it correctly. Psalm 19.4 says the heavens declare God by its means and the gospel declares God uh, through its means. So what about that? Paul is really making the argument that we don't have an excuse, right? Here it said, Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? There are some that are not going to believe the report of the gospel. Uh, but the argument Paul's making is he says, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Yes, they've heard. In more than one way. They've seen the creation. They should know there's a God. And the gospel and the good news has uh, been sounded out for them to hear that as well. And I think that's interesting the way that, that Paul puts that. 
so the heavens and the good news about Jesus has reached the ends of the earth. So we couldn't say on judgment day, I'm excused because I haven't heard what you wanted me to do, Lord. We won't be able to say that. Uh, we're not going to have that excuse. In Hebrews 1, beginning at verse 1, you know this verse well. Uh, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the worlds. So while the sun and moon and stars were declaring that there was a Creator, God was speaking to our fathers by the prophets. Sort of a comparison of the Old and New Testament. In the last days that we're living in, He's spoken to us through His Son. I want to ask you a question. Could you imagine a couple that has a baby born, and they bring that baby home, and then they never speak to it? They just never say anything to it at all. We couldn't even imagine a situation like that, could we? I mean, we talk to our animals. Uh, we talk to babies as soon as they're born, and they don't have a clue what we're saying. But we love them, so we talk to them. Uh, we couldn't imagine a situation like that. So could you imagine a God who uh, loves us and not communicating with us? It doesn't make sense. And so He does love us. So he has communicated to us. We know John 3, verse 16 says, "...for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son..." that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So God loved us, so He communicated to us, and then He demonstrated His love for us by giving His Son to die for us. Like a parent that would do something for their child, even if the child doesn't understand or appreciate what's been done, God has spoken to us and He's demonstrated His love to us. Uh, and so I think, I think it's clear that one reason that God, that God gave us the Bible is to reveal Himself to mankind. We wouldn't know anything about Him uh, other than looking at his creation and knowing that he's powerful, unless he revealed himself to us. So I think that's pretty simple. That's a pretty simple place to start. Uh, the second thing that we would say is, uh, God gave us the Bible, I think, to reveal mankind to ourselves. That kind of sounds funny when you, when you first think about that. But God gave us the Bible to tell us about ourselves, about how we are. Uh, he wants us to know about him. He wants us to know about ourselves. You know, if we don't know our true condition then we wouldn't go to God for help at all. And I think one of the hardest things to do is to see ourselves as God sees us. I want to tell you a story about a group called the Cherry Sisters. I don't know if you've heard about the Cherry Sisters or not, but in the late 1890s, there were five sisters. They lived in Iowa uh, at the time. They lost their parents at a young age. And so at their hometown opera house in Marion, Iowa, in the late 1890s, they went to perform. And they were terrible. If you, if you look them up, they are considered to be the worst uh, act ever that's ever performed live. But the audience that night was mostly family and friends and neighbors. And so, you know, they were really bad, but they all applauded for them uh, politely. Well, these sisters took that as, hey, we're pretty good. And so they started touring. Uh, they went on tour. They tried to um, uh, make their rounds and perform to as many people as they could. But they never understood that they were terrible. I read some reviews about them. People would throw onions, eggs, turnips, potatoes. At one time, somebody even threw an old tin boiler at them. But they never caught the hint that they were terrible uh, and people were disapproving them. They would think when people would get so stirred up, they'd say, we're, we're doing really good. We got everybody stirred up. And they, our, our talent is growing. We really are good. And so maybe sometime you'll look up about them. They, they thought they were great and they were terrible. They are still considered to be the worst performing act ever. 
they couldn't see themselves for what they really were. And sometimes it's hard for us to see ourselves for what we really are. If we didn't have the Bible, we wouldn't be able to do that. We wouldn't know about our origin. We know in Genesis 1, beginning at verse 26, the God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, created he, he created him. Male and female, he created them. I know that we, we know this verse well, but God created man in his own image. We're told that we are made in God's image. We are closely patterned after God in some way or another. Uh, and we understand that we have a soul uh, and we are created and patterned after God. What's interesting is when you come to the New Testament in Colossians chapter 3, here's some things that are opposite of the image of God. Uh, God would never act in these ways. And so Paul is talking about a Christian, how they ought to act. And notice he says, beginning of verse 8, But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Did you, did you get that? We were created in the image of God. And Paul says when you become a Christian, you're renewed in knowledge according to the image of him that created you. That's pretty neat. And so we're renewed from the inside out to be like God. We stop when we become a Christian. We ought to stop the anger. We stop the wrath. We stop the malice. We stop the blasphemy and the filthy language out of our mouths. We stop all that because we've been renewed to the image of him that created us. Uh, And so they're sort of renewing. It kind of makes sense when you talk about being born again. We kind of get a start over and be renewed to that image of God. But we, we would not have any knowledge of our origin if we didn't have the Bible. We wouldn't know what our objective in life is without the Bible. In Isaiah 43 and verse 7, there it says, Everyone who is called by my name, who I, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him, yes, I have made him. That's a short verse. We can kind of skip over it pretty easily. But Isaiah said that... Uh, Everyone who's called by my name, whom I have created for my glory. We've been created for what purpose? Well, to glorify God. And if you go to the New Testament, to the book of Colossians, chapter 1, beginning at verse 16, this is talking about Jesus. It says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. So, Isaiah said we were created to glorify God. Uh, Paul wrote in Colossians 1 that all things were created uh, by or through Jesus and for Him. And so we were created for Him. What's our objective in life? Well, to glorify God. Uh, That's our purpose. That's our objective. We wouldn't know that without the Bible. Uh, There are books sold every uh, day, I suppose, uh, about... Self-help books, what's our purpose in life? The Bible tells us our purpose in life. Uh, That's our objective. You know, also, without the Bible, we would not know our outcome. In Philippians chapter 1, notice what Paul says. He says, "For For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose I cannot tell, for I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. How did Paul know that to die is gain and to depart and be with Christ is far better than what we have here and now? How did Paul know that? 
Great thinkers of uh, the day and throughout time have tried to figure out what will be the end, uh, what will be our outcome, uh, but they don't know. How did Paul know? Well, in Ephesians 3 and verse 3, Paul said, By revelation, he made known to me the mystery. It was revealed to Paul what our outcome would be, and so that's how Paul would know that uh, if, if you go back, well... That's how, if we go back, Paul would know that to die would be gain and to depart and be with Christ would be far better because it was revealed to him, and it was revealed to him in the Bible. Uh, and so just just several things there uh, that we wouldn't know without the Bible. Now I want to stop for a minute and ask you a question. Why do so many people hate the Bible then? We've talked about all the positive things so far that we know Why do so many people hate it? I mean, there's people who actively hate it and attack it and want it destroyed. Throughout time, people have done the same thing. And I think it's true in our day as well. Why? I think the answer to that is because it reveals to us how we really are, not how we imagine ourselves to be. Imagine when you arrived here today, if someone walked up to you and says, I do not like the shoes that you have on today. They're hideous. And if somebody said, your hair looks terrible and your face... That needs some work too. If somebody were to tell you that when you got here, you'd say, man, they insulted me. I'm going to avoid that person. That's just mean. Uh, And I don't want to be around them if somebody's going to treat me that way. That would be our natural reaction. Well, if a person came up to you and started pointing out your moral failures, you'd probably avoid that person too. Uh, Just something about us. We don't don't like that. It's hard for us to, to hear those kind of things. Uh, but the Bible reveals to us exactly how we are. It doesn't tell us what we imagine ourselves to be, and it doesn't paint the picture for us prettier than it really is. And so people don't hate and reject the Bible because it contradicts itself. People hate and reject the Bible because it contradicts them, and it tells them how they, they really are. You know, the evolutionary model pictures man getting better over time. I'm sure we've probably all seen that that picture of, you know, there's some little crawling animal or whatever, and it turns into some other little animal, and eventually it gets into a monkey or whatever, and then now it stands up, and it's a man. That's the evolutionary model. But the Bible doesn't paint us in that picture. It doesn't fit that scale at all. In Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 29, it says, Behold, I have found only this, that God made men upright, but they have sought out many devices. God made man good and upright, and what did mankind do? They sought out many devices. They sinned, they turned against the way that God wanted them to live. Uh, And so that doesn't fit that evolutionary model at all. We started out good, and we've progressed to the bad, not started out really simple and getting better as time goes on. That's not how the Bible paints us. That's not really really, uh, as easy to look at as saying, oh, we're getting better all the time. But the truth of the matter is God made us right, and we chose to do wrong. In Romans 3, Paul lumps us all in the same boat. In verse 10, he says, As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. Not even one that is righteous. In verse 23, he says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So there are none righteous. We've all sinned. Our purpose was to glorify God, but we blew it. We failed. Uh, And so we're lost. And if we die in this condition, we'll be lost forever. I watched on the news and seen some stories, read some stories about the floods that took place recently up in uh, eastern Kentucky. There were people there that lost everything. Their house, all the things in it, their vehicles, their livestock, all gone uh, due to those floods. Imagine the feeling of losing everything. But that can't compare to the person that is lost for all eternity. 
And that's what Paul said our condition was. Uh, the Bible tells us that we've all sinned. And we're in a terrible, terrible condition. In Romans 6 and verse 23, Paul says, The wages of sin is death. What we've earned through sin is death. That's the cost uh, for our sin. Now, imagine that you're at the doctor's office and you have a doctor coming into a room and that doctor's going to deliver bad news to you. Uh, that, that's pretty tough to handle and, and you know you expect the worst and he delivers some terrible news. I want to tell you that there's no worse news on earth than Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. And because of our sin, all of us, we are, are going to be punished. That's the bad news that has been delivered to us through the Bible. And, and so you stop and think, well, that's terrible news. Why, why would, I mean, does God enjoy giving us just terrible bad news? God wants to paint a picture for us exactly how we are, not how we imagine ourselves to be. But we must understand, I think, the bad news before we can appreciate the good news. And so the good news comes up in God's cure for our condition. That's our condition. What's the cure? Well, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So what's my condition? I'm lost. I'm eternally doomed. I've sinned. And God says, hold on just a minute. There is a way out of that. There's some good news here. Uh, and that's what gospel means. It means good news. Uh, and it's the power of God for salvation. Uh, and so it's available to everybody to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's good news too. Everybody's got uh, this available to them. Uh, and so we have a way out of that terrible condition. The cost of that, that gift though uh, is the blood of Christ. We know these verses well. Romans 5 beginning at verse 8 says, God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Can you imagine being called upon to uh, give blood to uh, a large group of people, some of them that don't even care about you, some of them may even hate you, and you're called upon to save their life by giving blood for them? How would you respond to that? That'd be pretty tough, wouldn't it? I mean, if somebody hated me, if they didn't care anything about me, but now they, now they need something from me... Uh, and somebody says, will you donate all your blood, all the blood you have, give your life for them, we probably say, you know, I don't know. I mean, that guy hates me. Jesus died and he shed his blood for people who won't acknowledge him today, people who even hate him today, but he died for them. And let's just talk about them. He died for us too because we were sinners as well. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, and so those verses tell us the cost of what that gift is. And so I think the second reason why God gave us the Bible is to reveal mankind to ourselves. The picture isn't pretty, uh, but that's what the Bible does for us. It tells us about ourselves. You know, thirdly, I think the Bible uh, was given to us by God so that we can know the certainty of God's Word. In Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 3, Luke says, It seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. The King James Version says, so that you can know the certainty. Uh, and so we can know the exact truth uh, because it's been written down for us. Uh, Luke said, I've investigated everything carefully. Uh, 
He's written it out so that we can know the exact truth about the things that we have been taught. How can we know what happened in the Bible times? You know, how can we know? Uh, we're studying the book of Luke. Uh, and we just talked about these verses several weeks ago. We've got eyewitness testimony. You know, every day in court around this country, people confirm what they've saw, what they've experienced. We, we allow eyewitness testimony to make a determination in courts every day. Luke is saying that's what we have. We have information provided to us that can, uh, we can be sure of what we believe. So how do you know Jesus was raised from the dead? How do you know that uh, He built His church? How do we know He's coming again? That's all written down for us. And we can know it for sure. He told us and it's written down for us. Now somebody may make the objection and say, listen, the New Testament were all letters written and they weren't written to us. And maybe they might even say those are private letters. Uh, and that's true. None of, the, none of those letters were addressed to me or you. And none of those letters were addressed to the church at College View in the New Testament. So how do we know they're for us? Well, the Bible answers that question as well. In Colossians 4, in verse 16, Paul said, When this letter is read among you... Now, this is a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Colossae. He said, When this letter is read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and you, for your part... Read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. There's speculation about what that letter may be. Uh, I, I think one of the best uh, arguments I've heard is that it's probably the letter uh, to Philemon. But either way, the letter that uh, Paul wrote to the church at Colossae, he said, you read that and then you pass it along to the church of the Laodiceans. They've got a letter coming your way, you read that too. Because it's for everybody. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 17, notice here, uh, it says, For this reason I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, and he will remind you of my ways which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere and in every church. What's Timothy going to do for the church at Corinth? Well, he's going to remind them of things that are taught everywhere in every church. So everything is the same. Uh, all the letters were shared. They were all for all the churches. Uh, and that just makes sense because uh, Jesus said in Mark sixteen fifteen. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. It's all the good news. It's all for everybody. Uh, it's all the word of God. And so every creature needs every letter. Uh, and so we don't have to be concerned about that. They were addressed to the church at Colossae. But it applies to us too. It's God's truth and it's God's word. So I think the third reason why the Bible was given to us is to know the certainty of God's word. To know uh, that what he said was true. And then lastly, I think maybe this is just... Just a, a simple point, uh, to produce faith. God gave us the Bible to produce faith. We read earlier in Romans 10 and verse 17, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You know, that is such a simple verse. And my whole life, you, I'm sure you too, I've heard that verse quoted, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's just so simple. But how would we have faith if we didn't have the Word of God? If God didn't give it to us, we wouldn't be able to have faith in him uh, we wouldn't know anything about him and so the word was given to us so that we can read it study it and have faith in god and know that what he told us is true and we can obey him you know words have power satan knows that he used words to convince eve uh, a long time ago in the garden of eden that uh, she could disregard what god wanted done and she could do what he wanted her to do and he just used words to do that he didn't grab her and push her toward uh, that fruit that she wasn't supposed to eat of. He just talked to her. And he used words to do that. 
I read an article last night about Adolf Hitler. You know, just unanimously people would say, terrible, terrible guy, terrible leader. Look at all the evil that he did. But I read that he would stand in a mirror and practice how he spoke and he would use pauses and he would use hand gestures and he was able to convince people and and cause a lot of destruction and harm because of the words that he used and how he spoke. Uh, Words have power. The written word for us has power as well. Different from regular words though, these are the words that, remember we said, come from God and they are able to produce faith. In the parable of the sower in Luke chapter 8, it says, Now the parable is this, The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Once you notice what it said here. These are the people by the wayside. The people by the wayside are ones that hear. What do they hear? Well, they've heard the seed, which is the word of God. So the devil knows uh, if that remains in them for very long, they would believe and be saved. The Word of God has power to change people's lives. It can have an effect on them. The devil knows that, and so he has to hurry. He, the devil has to come and take away the Word out of their hearts. And he's got to do that quickly because the Word of God has power. Uh, the devil knows that. So, uh, the Word of God can affect us. And it can affect us, obviously, for the good because we can believe and be saved by that Word. And lastly, last couple of verses I want to read to us. In John chapter 20, beginning at verse 30, John says, Truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. John says that we only know Jesus by what's been revealed to us. We only know His will for us through what He's revealed. Now notice He uses the word written twice here. Um, And so He says there's a lot of things which are not written in this book. But what has been written is written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. God's written word for us is written down for us so that we can believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And then when we believe, you might have life in His name. Uh, We can have eternal life through Him. And the only way that we can know about that at all is because God revealed that to us in the Bible. So I appreciate your attention this morning. Again, I think I think this is a simple question. Uh, Why did God give us the the Bible? But when you start thinking about it, it's pretty complex, isn't it? Uh, what's amazing is, is that God has uh, communicated to us, uh, and maybe even more amazing, people disregard God's Word. You know, I was thinking about how children, sometimes our kids, are scared of the dark. You know, they want, want you to lay with them in bed. They're scared of the dark. They don't want to be there uh, alone. But so many times when children grow up and they become adults, they are afraid of the light. Obviously, we're using that in a couple different ways. Children are physically scared of the physical dark where they can't see, but so many times adults are scared of the light that's provided to us in God's Word. Uh, He wrote it down for us. God went through a lot of effort in order for us to know Him, know our condition, and know how to be saved. And so the question that I'd ask to you as we bring the lesson to a close is, have you taken advantage of that? God's done a lot of work for us to tell us what to do. Have you obeyed Him? The Bible tells us that we must hear the Word, and faith comes by hearing the Word. It tells us we need to believe in Jesus, that He really lived, He really died. We need to confess our sins, because as we read, Paul said, we've all sinned. 
And then we need to be willing to be baptized for the remission of our sins. So have you done that? If you haven't, you need to consider that this morning. Do it without delay. If you have done that and you become a Christian, but then you realize that you've sort of neglected the written word. You know what it says for you and you sort of turn from it. Maybe, maybe like that parable of the sower, you've fallen by the wayside because the devil has sort of taken that word out of your heart. If you need to make your life right, you have the opportunity to do that this morning as well. And if we can assist you, please let us know while we stand and while we sing.